This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. My name is Trainer Chip Ritchie and I'm joined here, as always, by my co-host Azul GG. What's going on, Azul? How you doing this week, man? Doing pretty good. Just got back from New Jersey Regionals, where I, I played Mew again, did not have a good showing. Once again, actually, my worst showing with Mew, I dropped from this one. So Ooh, I think the other... yikes. <laughs> I think the other two, I got 128 or 256. Um, and, you know, I played out all my rounds, so um, didn't have a terrible win rate, I guess. But, yeah, this one did not go so well. And, um, yeah, I'm probably putting the Mew down from here, though. We've got the new set coming out, so a lot of new stuff to try and test, and hopefully enough other good decks that makes me not want to play Mew in the next regional championships. I guess not most recent or the newest one coming up. Vancouver. I'm not going to Vancouver. That's what I mean to say. (laughs) Vancouver is this weekend. Yeah. Next regional for me will be Milwaukee. But yeah, otherwise, besides that, doing good. We're all coming here at you guys a day late uh, because my flight got in super late on Monday. So we weren't able to record on Monday to get this up for you guys on Tuesday. So we're coming at you here on wednesday instead uh, but chip how you doing how was the weekend for you it was pretty good i was also in new jersey i was there as a caster so thanks again to pokemon for bringing me out and i had a great time we got to see some really cool matches obviously the format is starting to feel a little stale as most formats do at the end of their life especially whenever we've had so many premiere events in the format we talked about that on last week's episode a little bit you know a little bit of burnout or whatever it may be on the current format but it was a great weekend we saw some really fun matchups some really cool decks uh got to follow a bunch of really cool stories uh the meta in new jersey was kind of wild it was also a really interesting weekend because so many players had such a hard time just getting to the tournament there was like a bad storm in new york the night uh, friday night of new jersey regionals and so just a ton of people's flights were getting canceled i luckily got in early on friday i don't know exactly when you got in but yeah yeah so it was like luckily for me not too big of an issue but i know jeremy who was one of the casters his flight they had to land in baltimore for a couple of hours and then go back up and then uh before or like they went back out on the runway and then one of their ac units broke on their plane then they had to go back and <laughs> it, it, it was he had a miserable time and he was coming from arizona so it was like a pretty long flying uh day for him i know but luckily for me got in early um, a few players didn't even make it out. I remember following Frank Persick's <laughs> kind of journey on Twitter. He, you know, had flights just keep getting delayed, keep getting delayed, talk to a representative from the airline. It's like, it's not going to get canceled. And then at midnight, <laughs> his flight got canceled. <laughs> and then he did not get to go to New Jersey. And then we had players like Alex Wilson and Isaiah Bradner, whose flights got canceled last second driving up. Bradner, I remember, tweeted that they got in at like 4 a.m. the night before the tournament. Have you ever had any uh, 
playing experience like that where you have a really long late travel day or you stay up until the wee hours of the morning the morning before a tournament what is that playing experience normally like if you've uh, ever had to do that or you normally i know you tweeted after uh before this event that you like actually got a lot of sleep for this tournament yeah. right yeah i actually got like nine hours of sleep before playing which i usually don't get it's like a, a mixture of pram testing there's so many reasons to like that you don't end up going and hanging out with people and you stay up too late you know chilling there's always a bunch of reasons that i don't get a ton of or a decent amount of sleep before the tournament this time this time i actually did uh and i felt pretty good um so i, I felt like i was playing really well and like sleep and yeah that can sometimes be a factor you know just like being tired or uh not having sleep but uh you know you just did not want to work for me at the event despite my uh playing well plus a ton of sleep but yeah i've had some events specific i've actually every i've had a couple events in a row a couple regionals in a row where i didn't sleep at all before the tournament at all um, at all but all of those tournaments i top aided so that's crazy all those regionals i top aided see i was um, talking to someone this weekend who was like come because uh i ended up running my cube on friday night and one of the players who cubed with us was up until like 1 a.m. And he came up to me at the venue the next day and was like super tired. He was like round three. <laughs> he was like, dude, this is your fault. You did this to me. And I was like, listen, bro, less sleep makes you more powerful when it comes to <laughs> which is probably not the best advice and also probably just not true. But maybe it yeah. is if you literally went in with no sleep and made day two and then eventually the next day went on to top eight. Well, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked out a couple times. Yeah, I got some sleep between day one and day two. Right. In those. So, yeah, I got into day two with on no sleep uh, and came up. One of them was actually the year that me and the the people that we just we just i kind of randomly like one of the people was a local to me and i had i had been playing games with them for a while but then we just randomly bumped into some other people we knew and started building uh a deck and that was a that was the the tournament that i made top eight alongside uh eric rodriguez with uh, raiku eels we made that deck staying up all night uh <laughs> being like what are the decks that are being played and how can we kind of abuse that and then we came up with raiku eels with assault vest um and uh, it was a really good deck the only deck that we took a really bad matchup to was uh maxi's uh yivatal which is what uh, eric lost to on top eight. and then i lost to kevin baxter playing these so it was a one a one prize matchup that went a little bit back and forth but yeah that, i mean i've had some success uh getting some good sleep i've had some success getting no sleep uh before <laughs> day one of a tournament i don't think there's like a magic or a key to it um i think getting some sleep is generally the better way to try and go and as much as possible eight hours is generally a good number to shoot for i think just in life but also before <laughs> pokemon tournaments because i think that'll more consistently lead to uh better results so definitely recommend getting the sleep even if there are situations where people have done well on little to no sleep it doesn't mean that's what you should shoot for for sure <laughs> Well, let's get into this week's episode. We've got a lot to talk about. There were three major tournaments this weekend, and there's two more coming up this weekend. So we'll break down the results from the Secaucus Regionals in New Jersey here in the U.S., the Lille Regionals in France, and then also the Perth Regionals down under in Australia. And what effect will the results from these tournaments have on Vancouver and Bremen, which are coming up this weekend, Vancouver in Canada and Bremen in Germany. Germany and these will be the last two tournaments of this current brilliant stars format which I'm sure many people are excited to see go not because it's a necessarily bad format I've actually enjoyed this format a decent amount it's just there's only so much you can take right <laughs> at some point yeah. you've just played it so much and especially when you're playing it like competitively so much 
it really starts to wear on you. Uh, but after that, after we talk about that, of course, we will have Guess That Flavor text. It is my turn this week to leave a card for Azul to guess. We'll see if he can get it right. And all of you listening along at home as well. And then we're going to take a little bit of time at the end of this episode to look ahead to Astral Radiance, the new Pokemon TCG expansion, When uh, which cards will be le- uh, releasing this weekend and they will be legal for play starting two weeks from this week. So the Milwaukee regionals coming up here in the U.S. I'm not sure what other global regionals are coming up in the format. I think there's a regionals in Chile at some point before NAIC, uh, and then NAIC eventually as well will be in the Astral Radiance format. I'm excited for the set. I know you are as well, Azul. Uh, But yeah, yeah, before we get into that, let's break down Perth regionals which yeah, was um, won by Matthew Burris with Arceus Intellion. Yeah, one thing I wanted to say about it does feel like, well, we've had so many major events in this format. It feels like the, the format was like hyper-evolved with how much everyone was trying to test. And especially like the, in, the, in the specific regions throughout the, the world, it's kind of like, you know, you wouldn't see everyone's secret decks so quickly um you know usually america of course has the most regionals but australia has like a usually a bigger break between their regionals but even like these regionals being so close together it's like okay they had their first regional uh, you know natalie won with the mew and then this next regional came up and then of course yeah matthew burris won with the the arceus and intellion deck with you know the big standout cards there being the echoing horn and the cross switchers um to kind of just be hyper aggressive about being able to just kind of force the prize trade basically it's just like i could sit here and heal with sharon's care or i could you know double cross switcher this turn after i used melanie or a research or a marnie to draw a bunch of cards and now i'm KOing another two prize pokemon and then on the following turn i'm echoing horning and then KOing another two prize pokemon with boss um and then usually we wouldn't see you know you know these decks in this short of a time would be spread out a little bit more um <laughs> but when there's so many major tournaments so quickly we see all of the you know, the next decks that the top players were bringing to the next big tournament in their region. And we just saw them all so fast because there's so many tournaments crammed into this, you know, short time frame. it feels like. Um, but yeah, Matthew Burris with the win there. And also uh, Henry Brand uh, yep. playing the exact same 60 in top eight as well. And um, it's a really cool list of Arceus and Talion. I feel like this is probably the best list of Arceus and Talion that we've seen because it has um such a wider range of options in terms of like they didn't play zero chairs care there was still a chairs care in there it was just like such a wide range of options of uh you know just different aggressive levels you can take throughout a match depending on if your opponent you know is outpacing you or you can outpace them so yeah the echoing horn and the double cross which was like a really really cool inclusion in the deck for sure so that was really really cool to see yeah, I'm a big fan of the cross switchers. Some of one of the problems I've had before playing Arceus, or I guess one of the things I've been able to abuse when playing against Arceus, is making plays knowing that they cannot Sharon's care and gust, or they cannot Melanie to get an extra energy play in play and gust, right? But that is something that you could do with this version of the deck. You can Sharon's Care to heal a damaged Arceus and pull off a double cross switcher play to get a gusting effect. You can uh, Marnie to disrupt your opponent and gust. You can Avery to delete stuff off the bench. And then, you know, if they discard a bunch of Sobbles, you go target more Sobbles. Like, there's just so many different plays you can make. The cross switcher opens that up. And the Echoing Horn as well, like you mentioned. I feel like that 
as well as just solid to bring back another Arceus at the end of the game and just, yeah. you know, bring it up with a boss's orders or cross switcher and just take your last two prize cards. Cause that's something that will happen a lot of times in the Arceus mirror match. It feels like is players at the end of the game have just like two big Arceus V stars in play. Uh, you know, when they share care, they're not going to put the other one back down because that becomes their lose condition. So that allows you to play around that, which I uh, think is really cool. So shout outs to Maddie and Henry for coming up with a really cool list. I thought it was also funny. Matt uh, in his tweet said, called himself Matty B, the bird keeper, because he beat three <laughs> Arceus B decks in top eight. So beat one in top eight, beat one in top four, and then beat it in the finals going Six and one in those games, winning six and only losing one, which I thought was actually kind of interesting, to be honest, especially since he's got the double turbos and capture energies in this list. Yeah, has a lot of special energy, but it's also seven basic energy right. and has the ordinary rod. And like you said, I think one of the big plays you can apply in that matchup once it kind of gets down to Arceus v Arceus, which it'll eventually get to, um, is kind of the Charon's Care plus level cross switcher play because otherwise... You know, they hit with their Arceus and then you hit with yours and then they're kind of kind of stuck where it's like if they if they if they choose not to have benched the Arceus V last turn and when they Charon's Care, they have nothing to attack with or they bench it and then it just gets chased. Right. Um, I think another big card in the in the list as well for that matchup is the Ordinary Rod, because mm -hmm. now you can Charon's Care and then like Ultra Ball away two waters, put them back in the deck and create like a third Arceus in a row. If your opponent is able to somehow avoid you kind of chasing their Arceus V for the turn. So you can kind of set up that third Arceus with triple basic energy, which is what a lot of Arceus decks can't do. So that's when like the second B can kind of get involved. Uh, and there's also two Melanie in this build. So that initial Arceus might not even have special energy on it as well. You know, with the higher basic count of seven, um, there is like a, you know, this is four special energy to three is usually the norm in Arceus Intelligence, but there's two captures in here as opposed to the, you know, three to four DTE. Um, and only two DT in here just to get going for that first initial Trinity Nova in most situations, in most, ma in most matchups. Um, but then, yeah, the higher basic count, the ordinary rod, the double Melanie, like, I feel like all of that leads to just, um, you know, having plenty of options against the B drills. And it looks like that's definitely something that was, that thought was put into when this list was, uh, when this list was put together by, uh, by Maddie and Maddie and Henry. Um, but, uh, yeah, besides that, there had a lot of B's in top eight, right? There was four B's, uh, one Mew, another Arceus, Italian, of course, uh, in Henry, Henry and Maddie were the two Arceus Italian, and then one Malamar, Rapid Strike Malamar. And I think the only Rapid Strike Malamar in top eight of any of the events. I think that's um, right. Think yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's not, not, a, that's almost a surprise. I feel like to actually see Malamar up there. I feel like I'm a little bit surprised to even see Malamar make it to the top. I think we were talking about how the, the meta felt like it was getting better for it. But then I also kind of mentioned how it feels like all of the little niche plays that not everyone had truly discovered about the matchup up against Malamar, people were discovering as well. Like little things like the triple zigzagoon play plus aqua bullet that you can do with like uh, Isaiah Bradner's uh, Arceus B list and stuff like that. All these Arceus decks specifically have little things they can do to really make it really awkward for the Malamar player, like turn three on in the matchup. So um, it was, was actually a surprise to actually see one make it to the top eight, but uh, Aaron's a very good player. So it's no surprise to see. And sometimes it's more so the player than the deck. So Aaron's a very good player. So, I mean, any good player playing pretty much any solid deck in any format is never too big of a surprise that they actually make it to the, uh, to the top eight. Yeah, definitely not. So shout-outs to Maddie for winning the tournament down there in Perth. And it was actually a bit bigger as well. We talked about the numbers last week, how the previous yeah. Perth Regionals was about 60 players. This one was about 90 Masters. So they actually had a 
that's like a what 150 percent uh, increase in players right uh between the 2020 regionals and the 2022 and moving on to the European regionals that was this weekend in Lille, France, which was won by one of the best players in Europe and, of course, probably the best player in all of France, Stefan Ivanov, defending the homeland, taking the win with what he called the liminal deck, Intellian Galerian Moltres Hoopa, with a lot of really cool texts as well. This was a really cool one, Azul, this list. What is that? Where does that name come from? The limit. Yeah, so he wrote it about like it on uh, on Channel Fireball. Liminal is like it refers to like the concept of liminal space, which I think is just kind of like a it's like a, almost like an existential um, term of like the space between you know like um, a uh, an empty school during the summer or like uh, at night in an office building, like liminal, like a, a space that just doesn't feel, it's like normal, but it doesn't feel quite right. It's like just kind of like a space between. And so I kind of feel like the reference there with this deck is like, it's not really an aggressive, like you're kind of just, you don't have a plan moving forward with the deck necessarily. It's just like point A to point B, win the game pretty much yeah. and it's just like you react to what your opponent does whatever matchup you have exactly it's not an overly aggressive deck it's definitely a much more reactive deck so i feel like that's kind of what he meant by it it's definitely kind of a weird <laughs> concept though he did write a little bit more in depth about this on uh channel fireball so if anyone is interested they can check that out it is a free article um he did top 16 with the same deck uh, a couple of weeks ago in yeah. um bilbo so yeah. he uh, ended up running it back, felt like the deck was really good, and he won the tournament with it. Yeah, and I think Robin Schultz, I think, independent of each other, also ran a very similar mm -hmm. uh, style of deck. Uh, and they both came to the, the conclusion that Leon was good, which is also uh, pretty interesting, which is one of the funky cards in the list. Um, and yeah, it's like maybe it's, it's kind of like that old... It's it's kind of like a, a new take on like that that build of Intellion Dark like Intellion Dark Box that a lot of people are running, you know, before uh, Brilliant Stars came out as kind of an answer to Mew where your main attackers were Baby Hoopa and Baby Maltrace and that's kind of it and then some people evolved the deck to include the Weezings and now it's evolved. There's no Weezings. You got the Baby Maltrace still. You got the Baby Hoopa and now we're seeing the Rowlet with the Birdkeeper combo, uh, the Zapdos V. Uh, and then, of course, what the more not a non Pokemon, but a very interesting card that was included was the Leon to just kind of boost your damage of your Zapdos or your most likely your baby Moltres. Yeah, um, I don't think your Hoopa hitting for 120 is going to be too relevant too often. I guess you could hit another Moltres for 120, which could be cute. But um, yeah, just trying to get those those numbers up a little bit, I think, on the baby Moltres more so than anything. Um, but yeah, it's a very, uh, very interesting deck. <laughs> it has a lot of routes you can take. I was actually surprised to not see. A, uh, at least I don't think there was one. Um, a uh, yoga loop. Um, I was no, that's there's a cool no, part no to include. yoga loop now. Yeah, so no you, yoga looping. So I was a little bit disappointed when I didn't see the yoga loop in there because I think that's always a cool card to see in those kind of decks. But yeah, no looping was going on. But yeah, still a really cool deck and very liminal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, the yoga loop has definitely become one of my favorite cards for this format. Watching a bunch of games 
in New Jersey during, especially the early rounds when I was look at, walking around looking at, uh, you know, kind of one of the more popular American groups right now. A lot of them ended up playing uh, Intellian VMAX. I watched Rahul <laughs> Reddy and uh, Ian Robb both independently make really cool plays in the early rounds with Metacham where they set things up multiple turns in advance and then just went yoga loop and then either attach a fighting energy and use its second attack to just get a KO on a Drizzile or something, or they would retreat into something else and attack. Like, just very a lot of really, really cool plays. I think just taking an extra card, or sorry, an extra turn is such a powerful effect in the Pokemon TCG. It's obviously hard to set up with Metacham, but the fact that you can do it uh, is a lot of fun. At least whenever you're the one doing it. Maybe not as much fun when you're on the receiving end of it. Yeah, it's one of the coolest cards. I think we'll see a lot more of it going forward with Samurott, uh, V-Star, mm-hmm. um, potentially some other other stuff as well. Uh, especially when you're like taking a prize, like you're taking a full prize card for the turn. You're not like hitting something and then yoga looping the following turn and then attacking again because that's kind of like two knockouts over three turns. Um, but when you're actually doing something like, like you can do with the new Samurai, where you're like kind of KOing a Sable instantly with Yoga Loop on a turn, or you can set that up with quick shooting and you take a prize card and then you immediately draw another prize card the turn after, kind of taking like two two knockouts over two turns instead of, you know, two knockouts over three turns. It becomes that much more powerful. So yeah, the Yoga Loop, uh, definitely something to look out for in the future. And definitely like for anyone going to Vancouver, definitely something to keep in mind when you're going up against any kind of funky Inteleon deck. You never know if they're going to have the access to the loop. So it's always something to kind of keep in mind for sure. And then the, uh, um oh man what was i gonna say something about stefan's list or moving on to the next regionals uh no yeah the 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 other deck uh <laughs> the deck that got second place um gyarados arceus uh that's what i want to talk jolteon yeah so that got second place and there's a lot of other actually funky decks that we'll get to the rest of the top eight but i think maybe the most interesting deck in Besides maybe Stefan's deck was this Arceus Jolteon Gyarados yeah. deck, and not Jolteon VMAX. It was playing Jolteon, the baby Jolteon that says when it has a memory capsule attached to it, um, no water Pokemon in play have abilities, which is obviously very powerful up against against Inteleon. And we didn't just see it here. We saw something uh, in New Jersey as well. Grant Manley was playing a different Arceus deck with it. But uh, this Gyarados build is something that, all out blitzel has been doing very well with in online tournaments mm-hmm. up to this uh, up to this point um and I, I even saw an online tournament earlier today they were still rocking it and they were in a top eight with it once again and i wonder if it's the same list i also wonder if that's them i have no idea who all out blitzel is in these online tournaments so that was maybe <laughs> them who got second i have no clue or if someone just took their list and played it here um the list isn't on limitless so i don't actually know how close it is to all out blitzel's list but uh what do you think about the jolteon Yeah, the Jolteon is really cool, and it's a really cool response to the expected meta, right? You know, Intellion is the most powerful engine in the game right now, except besides maybe Genesect, I guess. But there's an obvious counter to Genesect, right, in Path to the Peak. If you're countering Intellion, though, it's a little bit more convoluted. And the way to do it is with the Jolteon. It's Thunderous Awakening ability, where if you have a memory capsule attached to it, water Pokemon in play, both yours and your opponent, have no abilities. So very cool card, and it's just kind of like Garbotoxin at home almost, right? Like (laughs) (laughs) very specific things that it counters, but it just so happens that the thing that it's aiming to counter is the most popular thing in the uh, format right now. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely very interesting to see that. Um, 
In the rest of the top eight, we had uh, George with a very similar deck to what Stefan played. Uh, there was an Arceus Inteleon in there as well with the classic Baby Moltres. Um, Mies, uh, don't see their list here on the Limitless page, but I'm assuming with the Moltres and the Inteleon there, also probably something very similar to what Stefan was playing. So three decks, um, the three Liminals, I guess, were in top eight there. Uh, the biggest surprise to me, I think, definitely was the uh, Arceus Duraludon. Uh, in the top eight, then there's a bees, and then actually a deck that I called to be making a top eight this weekend. The Ice Rider uh, made its way here into top eight at Little Regionals. I thought it maybe would have had a little bit better performance across the board, but um, definitely not surprised to see this here. I thought it was like this. It was just get it, the, the format's been getting better and better for Ice Rider, and I think it even gets better for it going into Astral Radiance as well. Yeah, Ice Rider, I think, was poised to do pretty well. I mean, it's got a solid Arceus matchup, but it still just doesn't do great against Mew. And then there's yeah. al also other random stuff out there. Like uh, in New Jersey, I was watching Will Jenkins a little bit, who was playing Ice Rider, and he lost to Ross Coffin in one of the early rounds playing the Malamar. Malamar just, you know, getting in there and hitting for the one-hit KO is necessary, and that's just too favorable of a prize trade, right? So... Um, you know, there's Ice Rider still has problems, but if you're expecting to only play against Arceus, it's pretty good, and I imagine that's what happened a good bit for uh, for Anthony on the run to top eight. Yeah, definitely, probably a lot of Arceus. You know, it has three paths to the peak in there, so definitely could have squeaked out some cheesy. Yeah, you dubs can definitely still. I, I wouldn't call the Mew matchup a good matchup, oh, even yeah. <laughs> with three paths to the peaks. But it is. I mean, that's just kind of Pokemon, right? Even, um, you know, you're gonna win your even matchups that are very unfavorable you will win them sometimes because that's just kind of how variance and that's how pokemon yep. works you, you 70 yep. 30s the 30 percent happens 30 percent of the time <laughs> yeah i just as long as it happens twice um then you're you're good to go and, and get a dub against literally you know any matchup and you never know when if, you, if you're just playing well on the day and your opponents slip up a couple times that could also be the difference as well and that's be, that's why it should always be the number one focus for you is to just you know play well i feel like but yeah that's the top eight from Little regionals, a uh, couple surprises. Uh, I guess the yeah, liminal deck, li liminal deck did way better than I thought it did. Uh, and then there was a Jolty on there as well. And then of course the third regional that we had. Oh wait, wait, wait! Before uh, we move on, I gotta give one little plug to Rory Licken, who made top thirty-two at Little Regionals. Let me pull this over here so we can put it up on the screen. Made top thirty-two at Lil Regionals with a Rapid Strike Drizzile in their Malamar deck. <laughs> An actual Rapid Strike Drizzile, not a not an imposter Rapid Strike Drizzile. So I thought that was pretty funny. Definitely a solid meme. Uh did only play two shady dealings Drizziles, so I don't, you know, I mean, I I don't know that the reasoning behind playing a Rapid Strike Drizzile is that solid but it is at minimum a nice meme yeah i actually talked about that um on my stream a while ago i just kind of put the question out there when i was playing malamar when i was like what if you just played a rapid strike Drizzile? so you have more outs to evolve into your intellions but you don't have too many non-rapid strike cards <laughs> and i could definitely see it working with the way that the lists have kind of trended to go into only two shady dealings Drizziles. as soon as you prize one of those you can't double shady dealings um, but the reason to only play two Shady Dealing Shrizzles is because you don't want too many of them. So when you're drawing your cards with your Cynthia's, you could make sure you're getting the uh, Rapid Strike cards over non-Rapid Strike cards. So now that you have that other Drizzile in there, you have more outs to get to your Inteleon. 
but it's still a rapid strike card. So if you draw into it, just want to send it back on the turn with Malamar, you have that as an option. So actually, that's like a really cool inclusion. I think going down to two Drizzile in these lists of Malamar just kind of makes sense moving forward to include it like that. I mean, how good will Malamar be moving forward in general? I don't know. But I don't think too much changes for it going into the next set with uh, Astral Radiant. So it might just be as kind of as good as it has been. Um, and it might just still be in a, a pretty solid spot overall. But yeah, I think that if you're going to stick with that double shady dealings or double, yeah, double shady dealings, there's no reason to not include that uh, that one of rapid strike drizzle. May as well get it in there. Have enough outs. You know, you want to get to the shady dealings and tell you that's the big thing you're trying to get to. So um, why not? Uh, but yeah, last regional to talk about was uh, to caucus uh, New Jersey regionals uh, where Luke Smith won with Arceus V Star Crobat V Max. And uh, I mean, you commentated the finals. Of it, and was that your first finals that you commentated? As far as it was my first finals ago? this year, yes. I, yeah. I did not get to do any of the finals in uh, the previous regionals or at EUIC, but finally got the call for Sakakis, <laughs> made it up there to the finals, and yeah, it was a great time. Myself and Adam uh, Skarzig commentated finals, and it was not a uh, it was not a great finals match. <laughs> No. It uh, unfortunately, Peter Keekham got second place with a pretty cool B drill deck. I actually was joking with P Peter uh, in day one early on that his deck was kind of like you just took Isaiah and Ian's decks from Indianapolis and shuffled the 120 cards together and then pulled out 60 cards and just rolled with it. <laughs> like that's kind of what the what the deck was like. Uh but yeah, really cool deck. Three different energy types in the list. I tweeted this earlier today. Uh but I just think it's really cool that there are a lot of decks right now that are playing that many energy types and it's like not bad. You know, it just opens up so many different types of plays. I'm a big fan of that type of uh variation in the game right now. Yeah, it's definitely definitely what Arceus brings and that is what one Luke Smith the Arceus Crobat Vmax uh uh Zamazenta V B barrel. Basically an Arceus B barrel deck with the Crobat, which is a deck that me and you have been fans of for a while. Yes. Um and actually this list specifically almost made top eight at Indianapolis. Ryan Antonucci lost the winning in two Ian Rob, and I think it was a pretty close set. Um uh, so this exact sixty uh almost made uh made top eight at Indianapolis as well. He, uh Ryan Antonucci lost the winning in, but here makes it not only to top eight, but it wins the whole tournament. And um, uh, yeah, Arceus Bebrel finally getting its chip, I guess, because uh, me and you have been big fans of the deck. I think the deck's pretty solid. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's like favored against the other Arceus variants, but I've been saying this for a while. I feel like literally almost every single Arceus variant, I think the only Arceus variant that I feel like has pushed the boundaries a little bit in terms of getting an advantage is uh, Maddie B's and Henry Brand's Arceus build. But I feel like besides their specific, you know, what they're trying to do with that Arceus build, pretty much every Arceus mirror match is about 50 50 and every single licious has little things that can give you an advantage you know whether it be in the early game in the late game in the mid game whatever it might be the beedrill gets a one ko on the arceus with the dte but then you're playing the beedrill build so you're like less consistent you need to pull off that combo you sacrifice resources to do that and then once they get a couple of basic energy arceus set up you're at a kind of a disadvantage the b the b barrel builds have a little bit stronger of like a turn one turn two uh, then the Intellion builds, but the Intellion builds, of course, you can get anything you want whenever you need it with the Shady Dealing, so that's the advantage there. So I truly, it truly does feel like, like I said, besides uh, Maddie B's and Henry Brand's build, which I feel like definitely has kind of uh, found a new way to play the mirror match. Most of the Arceus mirrors feel like 50-50, so as long as you like fix your Mew matchup, it doesn't really matter. As long as you if you, you know your Mew matchup and you know it's like 50-50, it doesn't really matter what build of Arceus you play, it feels like for the most part. So it feels like kind of about time that B-Barrel kind of, uh, you know, found its way through to not just the top eight, but also a victory. 
Yeah, Bibarel is really solid with Arceus. Obviously, Intellion is probably still just a little bit stronger, but what Intellion makes your deck, I would say, more consistent and allows you to do more things, but it takes up much more deck space. So you have less space to include cool things to do, right? Maddie B and Henry were able to find cool things to do with the Cross Switchers. Obviously, you mentioned that. Uh, but Bibarel takes up way less deck space, you know, because uh, yeah. Intellion is, it's not just the Intellion line. You got also got to get like three to four level balls in there, right? Um, and all of those Which things. Yeah, and then you play cards like Energy Search, which you wouldn't really play alongside Bibarel necessarily because you're not like searching out those specific things. So Bibarel just makes your deck, I think, feel a bit more streamlined. Uh, you play like more consistent counts of like more traditional draw supporters, like the Researches and the Marnies, which I think is not necessarily a bad thing. So yeah, I mean, we've been talking about the deck for a while. Glad to see that it finally won with it. I thought it was really funny, uh, Luke Smith, when I interviewed him after he won the tournament. He was like, yeah, I bought the cards for this deck from the vendors uh, 10 minutes before the tournament started. He like played most <laughs> of day one, not n even realizing all of the, like exactly how the deck worked made it through day one, got into top eight, and then just the perfect storm happened. He made it work and won the tournament. Congratulations to Luke on the win, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's cool to see it get there. And like we said, uh, Peter Kiko got second. And then the rest of it from there was just a bunch of a bunch of uh, Muse and Arceus and Talion. Um, just the water, the water Arceus and Talion, the straight four. So that, that, the water Arceus and Talion, I actually think had a big weekend in general. Yeah. You know, two in top eight in Perth, a lot of Arceus in top eight of Perth in general, but, uh, you know, the water Arceus and Talion went over there. There was three of them in top eight here at, uh, New Jersey. Then there was three Muse as well. Uh, and then yeah, one B Peter Kika with the lone, uh, Arceus B, uh, to get second and then Luke winning with the Arceus uh, BBR. So a lot of Arceus, no surprise there. We mentioned last week, last week as well as it feels like Arceus is just getting more and more popular. Uh, with the new set releasing, I think we'll see a little bit of uh, a, probably a change to that and we'll start to see it die down a little bit and get some new decks in there. But I'm sure, but going into Vancouver, I think the same is going to continue where we're just going to see more and more Arceus uh, kind of ramp up uh, going into uh, going into that, that final weekend of regionals. There might be a regional after this next weekend before... Actually, I guess there's two more weekends where we could see... I don't know, I I don't don't know how many more regionals there are. I don't think there are any other regionals in this format. I'm, I Just looked, Bremen and... Yeah, I think that these are the last two. Um, let me double check, though, because I looked earlier today, but I have been wrong about regionals dates uh, a few times at this point, so... Yeah, I don't know when the league... When does it, when does it, when does it become legal for... When is it the new set legal it because will the, be legal on the 10th i believe and it actually looks like chili regionals will be in this format so that will be june 4th through 5th and that was okay. the i think that was the most recent regionals that like just got added if i'm not mistaken and then the first regionals in this format will actually be june 11th and 12th in uh, st kilda in oceania okay okay so there will be a regional before before milwaukee Milwaukee. Okay. I mean, I like I like to hear that. I like to know a little bit more about what other people think is good before getting into Milwaukee regionals. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting. <clears throat> so let's just well, talk about a couple more of the interesting decks from the weekend. We mentioned some of these a little earlier on. Uh, mostly talking about the Secaucus regionals because that's where we both yeah. were. So that's where we saw most of the other unique things running around in the room. Uh, you mentioned earlier about how Arceus decks hadn't really pushed the limits to 
do anything really in the mirror match, like to, to gain an edge in the mirror match, I should say. Uh, but I think Parker Lish also found a really good way to get an edge in the mirror match, who got ninth place, bubbled out a top cut at ninth place with an Arceus Hammers deck. Four Crushing Hammer, three Fan of Waves, just a pure disruption. Arceus had the Path to the Peaks in there as well. And I feel like that is pretty good in the mirror. We actually had him on stream. He played against Michael Bergerac in day one on the stream. And it was not a super close game. It felt like <laughs> Michael would attach an energy and Parker would get rid of it before Michael could really do anything. Michael would Trinity charge and then he was just behind the rest of the game, you know? Yeah, no, I said that's like another cool way to do it. I mean, yeah, it is hammers. So no one likes to talk or think of too much about too much of a hammer is becoming too popular we don't want to get the format to just literally just evolve to arceus hammer i guess you know if it did devolve to that for the next two regionals i'd be fine with that because i'm not going to either of them <laughs> uh, i'm not going to vancouver you enjoy to watching least, so. everyone else suffer with crushing hammers and fan of waves and yeah i mean yeah if that's the way it goes that's the way it goes everyone else can kind of deal with it i'm not too worried about it so i don't think we'll quite get to that point i mean i think arceus has pretty consistent answers around hammers, especially the Intellion build where you can just kind of, they get the hammer, you go Melanie DT and you're just kind of right back in the game and keeping pace with them from there. So um, to get to like kind of break that cycle of energy after that, I think it's really hard even when you play crushing hammers, you know, and your fan of Because that's why Whimsicott basically tries to do is they try to stop you from getting to Trinity Nova. But once you get your Trinity Nova off, the hammers and the fans kind of don't, they don't do nothing, but they definitely don't do very much at that point. So, but if you can prevent that, that first Trinity Nova, while you're using Trinity Nova yourself, that's when you can definitely could, could get ahead. So Yeah, something can it can do in the mirror better. match is like it can break the Sharon's care loop, right? Because they'll prep an energy on the bench uh, yeah. or two. And if you can, if they only have like one or two energy on the bench and you can remove both of them, or if like it's just a double turbo and you can fan it back in, then they can't Sharon's care that next turn because then they won't be able to attack. Yeah, yeah. So like that's a possibility as well. But that also has to be assuming you're hitting Sharon's care yourself as well to like. Sure match what you're trying to prevent them from doing because if they're just still ahead by an attack then they'll stay ahead by attack even if they could have got ahead by two attacks right so yeah i think there's definitely some some possibility that that might be one of the stronger builds to kind of play at this point because it really is hard to push to that like i said in the arceus mirrors every arceus deck is built to first off make sure you can beat mew and then from there it's like okay what else am i playing in here to just play in here right the baby maltres the beedrill whatever and it feels like most of those kind of break even against each other so yeah, I guess those are, those would be the two things that I would look at to try and play. Maybe um, is Arceus Hammers, <laughs> even though that sounds. I would rather play something like uh, you know Maddie V's and Henry's deck. That sounds like a little bit more fun. I don't really want to flip flip any hammer uh, hammers uh, personally. So we talked a little bit about Grant Manley's top sixteen Arceus Malamar Jolteon deck. We talked about Jolteon why it's good right now in the format. But a, a good partner for it, in theory, of obviously, is the Malamar. And I feel like most of the time, the problem would be just, like, the consistency there, trying to power up a VMAX attacker with our... Obviously, it's still got Arceus in the deck, right? But, yeah, yeah hard to power up a VMAX attacker while setting up Bibrel to draw cards, while setting up Jolteon and finding a memory capsule. Um, but, you know, Grant was able to build a pretty consistent deck. Actually, uh, I remember talking to him in day one and he was like yeah this is like the most consistent deck i've ever played <laughs> which i think is probably <laughs> not totally true but you know he's got the researches in that like you know just he's just turboing through the deck starbirth really makes every deck feel like the most consistent deck you've yeah. ever played i feel like um but yeah i, I grant uh, played no bosses orders no switching cards in the list besides the 
air balloons. Yeah. Just one switch, no air balloon. It was just one, one switch. switch. Yeah, one switch, no yeah, air yeah. balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so just like if he started something that wasn't Arceus, he had the one switch <laughs> to get the yep. turn two Trinity Nova, and that was all he needed. And, you know, having built a lot of decks with Grant over the last couple of years and tested a lot with Grant, that is very much how he will build decks. If it's like, you know what? Boss's Orders doesn't really help me at all in the early game, and it's not necessary for me to win the game overall. I'm just not going to play the card. Yeah. No, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you look at the list. Like, um, you know, Jolteon shuts off all of your opponent's options, so as soon as you attack with that Malamar VMAX, I mean, you limit that option as well. If you're up against Mew VMAX, you're one-hit KOing their Mew VMAX or their Meloetta or whatever. And then in that situation, um, you have a pass to the peak in play, ideally, and yeah. are disrupting their hand so you get rid of any stadium right yeah and you use a full-on disruption lock your opponent out of the game and like even if you can't win the game next turn you know if they can't do anything you'll just win in two turns instead when you just keep attacking you'll eventually get through all of their pokemon as your as long as your opponent's doing nothing or so little that you're always going to win the game first you don't really need to win the game faster with boss's orders and when you're when your deck is built around fully locking out any of the relevant decks in the format I'm sure if Granite hit something else, you know, with B-Barrel, um, that would have been a little bit tougher to deal with. You know, maybe something like Luke's deck. Uh, that would definitely be quite a bit tougher of a matchup, right? Because they can draw cards under Jolteon. They're yeah. not reliant on the Italian. And you also can't boss KO the B-Barrel because you don't play boss. So um, Grand deck was definitely built around beating Arceus and Italian and Mew Max. And anything else besides that? Oh, I guess it just beats Malamar. Anything, anything with Italian and Mew Max and anything else besides that probably gets a little bit dicey, but Grant's such a good player that I'm sure could definitely overcome some of those tougher mm -hmm. matchups. But um, when the meta is 75% is Mew and Arceus and, or Inteleon decks, then yeah, you're going to be in a pretty good spot. So you have the Jolteon, Malamar Max lock combo definitely <laughs> seems like it's pretty good. And I think definitely a, a something people are going to start looking at, you know, going into these next, these last couple of weekends in this format for these regionals. Yeah, and I think Malamar gets a lot better in the next set because it gets two key cards Roxanne and Dark Patch. So pretty easy to power up a Malamar. Roxanne them to two cards, throw a path to the peak and play, put one of those two cards on the bottom of their deck. That doesn't sound very fun to play against as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, Roxanne just in general seems like a scary card. We're going to have to see how that one uh, pans out for sure. And speaking of tougher matchups for Grant's deck, something that he actually played against two times in the tournament, once in round nine and then once in round 11, I believe, on the stream was Arceus Corviknight, which had a pretty solid showing. It did pretty solid in day one. Gabe Shumway uh, was either the first seed or one of the first three seeds in yeah, day one going into day two. And then Kyle Lesnowitz was in day two, also playing it. There was a few other players running around. Uh, Kevin Kruger, you know, kind of the person who popularized the deck, also made day yep. two with it once again. Uh, so, yeah, Arceus Corviknight's pretty interesting concept. We talked about it a little bit last week. It's just the idea Corviknight's a big attacker. It's got free retreat, can't be hit by Zigzagoon, which is like a convenient little plus. And with a choice belt and a Galarian Zigzagoon ping, you hit for 280, which is enough to one-hit KO opposing Arceus V-Stars. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's it's like solid. I think there's too much going on in the deck though for my yeah. liking. I think especially if it was like similar to what Kevin Kruger's list looked like before. Um, usually decks with a lot more one ofs or stuff like that. Like it almost feels like it looks kind of like and like it's like an Urshifu deck, but it doesn't have the Intellini and the PNE. Like there's so many like like small lines of stuff, but you have no way to find any of it consistently. So I'm not a huge fan of the deck. I don't think overall, and I think specifically for like New Jersey regionals, the kind of the 
name of the game almost for the most part felt like consistency like yeah. the, there was three inteleon water arceus builds which is def- basically universally recognized as the most consistent arceus deck and then there was the arceus b-brow deck which is also very consistent overall and i think the only deck that kind of um had probably some more the the most inconsistency or the least was the least consistent was Peter's deck that got second place with Arceus Bees, but no one thinks that's an extremely inconsistent deck or not. Yeah, and then yeah. you look at even and then there was three Mews, which right like um, it feels like you know the best the players who do the best with Mew on the day are probably the ones who ran the hottest with Mew overall. Um, but there were some very solid names backing up those those placements as well. So and Mew generally a fairly consistent deck. You play most of your games right as Mew V Max. So. Uh, and just kind of will the other deck kind of keep up to Mew Max's pace throughout the game is usually the question. So I don't know. It, it just feels like there's probably, it just feels like, uh, I don't know, there's just almost too much going on in the deck for my liking, I think, overall. And I think it's not not the perfect pair for Arceus, but um, uh, it just kind of feels like, uh, it feels like you're just trying to find something else to put in the Arceus deck that doesn't quite synergize well enough for what else is going on in the meta. And then one more deck to talk about before we move on to looking ahead to Vancouver and Bremen is Intellium VMAX, which actually was played by a decent amount of good players, both in New Jersey and Lille, I believe, as well. But the best finish for it, only one player made top 16 with it in Secaucus, which was Justin Kim. So Intellium VMAX is kind of a deck that I think ever since... Fusion Strike came out. People have like kind of gone back and forth to it every now and again. It's like it seems like a solid strategy, but then at the end of the day, you're only hitting for 140 damage, which is not that much, <laughs> uh, especially into things like Sharon's Care and Big Charm. You're not even getting two hit KOs on Arceus V Star, um, but still got the top 16 finish. Thoughts on the Intellion V Max as well? Um, I think. I'm not a huge fan of it. Every time I go to play it, it feels solid, but I think one of the strengths of the deck is just people's lack of understanding of how the deck functions and what it needs to be able to even do 140 damage every single turn. And I think if people just, you know, have more experience against the deck, and that's what's going to happen when you get further and further into a tournament is the best players in the game will have already know the experience against that deck, or they'll be able to figure it out, you know, in the first game or within the first couple turns of just understanding what your deck has in it. Um, so either you maybe win that game one, but then in game two, they're going to go boss your artillery, Marnie you. And then the game just kind of goes down to like a 50, 50. It feels like most of the time. And that's like the main, uh, the main game plan against that. You can uh, execute against Italian VMAX and Arceus decks can execute that very consistently, especially if you play Inteleon, bossy artillery, Marnie, the next turn. And then if you whiff the heal, uh, or the energy, even if you hit the heal, if you're healing and not attacking, you're behind, you fall behind a turn, then they get the Charon's Care next turn. Uh, if you put down a Remorite, maybe they just go chase that. So I think there's just like a lot of flaws with the deck in general, as far as, uh, as far as just trying to compete to be a, to be a top deck. It just can't quite, can't quite crack that yet. Yeah. I thought the deck was really cool. I watched, like I mentioned earlier, Ian, Rob and Rahul Reddy make really cool plays with it, but cool plays weren't quite enough to make day two for either of them and they're two great players they've made day two at every regional so far and they didn't make day two at this one so they kind of nerfed themselves i feel like a little bit playing uh the (laughs) playing the intellion almost it feels like so let's look go ahead and look look ahead to vancouver and bremen of course two regionals taking place this weekend vancouver in canada and bremen in germany and we saw Jolteon pop up pretty reasonably at the last couple of tournaments. We talked about it a lot on the live stream in New Jersey, and we featured it as well in Grant's deck. 
I believe we, I think there was also another Jolteon at some point earlier on in the day. It was one of the rounds that I was not casting, but I'm pretty sure there was another Jolteon in day one that was on the stream. And then obviously got second place at the Lil Regional Championships. So should there be more Jolteon at these two tournaments? Are those two decks the best way to combo together Jolteon, the Malamar or the Gyarados VMAX? Or is that the best two ways to play it? Um, I don't know the best way to play it. I was actually working on a, a Jolteon build uh, towards the end of last week on my stream, where it was just basically it was Arceus B-Barrel Jolteon with Crobat VMAX. Um, I just played like a 2-2 Crobat VMAX, and we tested that a little bit on Friday before the tournament. I still would have been down to play it, but the rest of everyone else in my group wanted to play Mew, so we just ended up playing Mew. But Bro, uh, be your own person as well. It's okay. You can <laughs> you can play your cool little Arceus Jolteon deck if you want to. You you can put down the Mew man. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry, the Mew will be put down from here on out. Yeah, but so I almost played Jolteon going into what's it called, but I didn't put too much time into it. I kind of just took the list that I had been playing on stream before um, and just was just like, well, this seems pretty good. We tested it a bit. It didn't end up working, going as well in testing before the tournament um, as it was online. But um, I think we'll see a lot more Jolteon going into this weekend. And I think that also means that, um, you know, you should, if you're going to, if you're committed to an Arceus and Talion deck, I don't think the matchup is bad up against the Jolteon decks, um, but it's definitely something you want to get familiar with yeah. and, you know, test against and understand that matchup because a lot of it comes down to just kind of holding your starbirth for a little bit longer and waiting to boss up an eevee um because the game plan they kind of you want to look for is just kind of bench double eevee uh and make it awkward so you have to kind of come up with a bigger play on your own turn whether that be something to do with avery or taking a key knockout um or just making sure you are able to chase the solo eevee if they only get one eevee out you know if you burn your starbirth turn earlier and then they morning you and now you don't have your starbirth whatever to find your boss combo whatever it might be like you just got to be aware it exists tool scrapper is a card we could see included of course you can't even if you have tool scrapper you can't shady dealings for your tool scrapper but they only do play two memory capsule mm -hmm. so including a tool scrapper is still pretty solid because then you can starbirth for the tool scrapper for the turn and then still like sharon's care or hit the active and then you put them on finding their other memory capsule with which without their starbirth can be pretty difficult so the tool scrapper is a pretty solid answer for that just like removing the tool the the capsule for the turn and then you know now they have to go find their their second memory capsule or whatever so how does it work with uh tool jammer it's like you bossed it up that's a good question i mean you don't still have memory to boss capsule. it up why do you boss it up oh well tool jammer only affects the active Oh, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, it doesn't still, turn I, off the XP share. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, so still, scrapper would just be a better play, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would need scrapper. I would. You'd go with scrapper. I was thinking it would work on the bench, but yeah, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So I think scrapper is probably the the way you want to go, especially if you're going to be playing Beedrill. We saw some big parasols this weekend. Yes. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, you played big parasol in your Mew deck, yeah. right? Yeah, I chose to play Big Bear, Big Parasol. I didn't hit any uh, <laughs> Arceus Bs. I didn't stay in the tournament very long, though. So maybe <laughs> if I had been able to stick around a couple more rounds, I would have hit Arceus Bs. Uh, but the rest of my group got some value out of it against some Arceus Bs. Uh, and I expected a little bit more Arceus Bs. Um, obviously, in Perth, it did extremely well. Uh, there was a decent amount of it. Did get second, of course, uh, with Peter here in New Jersey. And there was a decent amount of it overall. Yeah, Grant for sure. Hayes tied the winning in playing the deck as well. Yeah. So yeah, so I would say uh, if you're playing, if you're committed to playing Arceus Beedrill, which I think is still a very solid deck, then I would definitely play a Tool Scrapper. Helps with your Jolteon. Might hit a big Parasol. 
And sometimes getting rid of big charms and choice belts and air balloons is still good. It's just like that's the reason people don't play tool scrap right now because actually getting rid of big charms and choice belts and uh, air balloons just usually isn't very impactful. Those are like the main tool cards we've seen up to this point. But yeah, with it's like mildly in, annoying, if anything, yeah. right? For your opponents, yeah. it's like not that big of a deal. It's like, oh, okay. I shouldn't have attached both of these things. Oh, well. And then you still win the game. <laughs> like, Exactly, exactly. But now we got some new some new tools involved, so I would definitely include the yeah. include the Tool Scrapper in that build for sure. Yeah, Tool Scrapper is just one of those cards that's, like, always pretty solid. And, yeah. like, tool removal in general, even, like, Field Blower, whenever it was uh, popular in, like, the 2017 time frame, it would, like, come in and out of decks just kind of depending on what the meta was like, what popular tools existed, what popular stadiums existed for field blowers instance as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if so, if Beedrill should be playing Tool Scrapper, is it probably still worth it for Mew and maybe some Arceus decks to play the big Parasol still? I, I think probably in Mew still, because you really want to yeah. put them... Like, if B gets that KO, you're in trouble. So I think I would still play the, the big Parasol. This one more piece for the combo, right? Like, and sometimes... Arceus caps out on barely getting the combo pieces it needs to get the B in the active and get the energy for it. So I would say, yeah, I would still play the big parasol in Mew. Um, and it could be a consideration if you expect a ton of B to show up, which I don't think, like, playing big parasol in Arceus X2 gives you a really big tempo edge uh, against um, the like that matchup of, like, Arceus Intellion versus Arceus Bs. But with them potentially going to the Scrapper and not, and not really fe feeling necessary, then I don't think I would. Um, we saw actually all the lists that made, or most of the lists that made top eight with Arceus Intellion, maybe all of them, play Double Melanie. And Double Melanie is a good way to get around the B uh, and consistently have that as an option to just get, you know, three basic energy on an Arceus. So you never have to have a special energy on your Arceus. And you're just, like, kind of can set up to tackle the B that way. So I would say probably just go the route if you're playing the Melanie build. That doesn't need it, but I would say definitely with Mew, I'd play the big big parasol for sure. So of the three regionals winning decks, we had the Crobat Arceus deck in New Jersey. We had the single prize Intellian deck in Paris, or sorry, in Lille in France. And then we had the um, the Arceus Intellian in Perth. Of these three regional winning decks, which do you feel like is most likely to repeat again this weekend to to win another tournament this coming weekend uh well i think jolteon's a little bit scary so i don't think stefan's deck will be in a great spot even though stefan did somehow overcome that in the finals i definitely don't think that's a good matchup yeah um uh for the b barrel deck i don't think enough players are gonna play it um i think one of the best decks right now is that i think a lot of people are gonna be looking at maddie b's and henry brand's list and looking like okay there's some there's some interesting stuff going on here that gives you an edge up against other arceus decks uh, I kind of want to play that because Arceus just is the deck right now. And I think it's, like I said, going to get more popular going into Vancouver. So I would say I would say Arceus and Teleon, whether it be something like Henry Brands and uh, Maddie B's list or, uh, you know, something else, you know, some other, you know, build that someone else plays. But yeah, I think Water, Arceus and Teleon is probably going to be the most likely deck to win a tournament the weekend this weekend. And then the last deck to talk about for Vancouver and Bremen, good old Mew VMAX. Is it poised? to do well this weekend i've got some opinions on Mew i want to share but i, I want to hear your thoughts first i think as well as it always has but i don't think it'll win i don't at the end of it all i don't think it'll actually win um either of the uh the regionals this weekend okay my opinion on Mew after this weekend and watching a bunch of games has um has changed 
okay? Mew is a very... Uh, I think that if you are a good player, you are doing yourself no favors by choosing to play Mew over an Arceus deck because you are much, much less in control of how your game goes when you choose to play Mew. You are at the mercy of your Fusion Strike systems, your draws. Obviously, if you sequence it correctly, you have like high percentage chances to draw what you need and like, you know, you can do all the stuff with your Rotom phones. But, I mean, we're talking about a deck that's playing seven flipping cards right now with the Cramomatics <laughs> and the Pokemon Catchers. I mean, it's just gotten a little out of hand at this point. I think that if you are a good player, it, let's just put away the Mew. After, especially after seeing you, who I consider to be one of the top players in the game, <laughs> unable to make... And this is not a dig at you. This is not a dig at you, Azul. I love you, buddy. But you didn't make day two at the three regionals you played Mew at. It's true. I think it's time, if you're a good player, I think it's time to put the Mew away. <laughs> just move on to Arceus. Get get more control of your game plan. And that's really just the big difference. You control your path so much more with Arceus. Now, things maybe are a little different now if people really do go that heavy into Jolteon. But at the honestly, like I don't know that they will go that heavy into Jolteon. And honestly, Jolteon, the combo is like not the most consistent thing. And if they only set one up and you just can get your boss in hand with your Starworth, like you said, it's not really it's almost a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, like I said, the tool scrapper as well is like a super good uh super yes, good answer. The tool scrapper um, as well, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. No, I, I think I agree with you overall. Um hmm. Muse definitely, you definitely have less control, but, um, and I definitely felt like, you know, maybe past that initial regional in Brisbane, where it's like, unless you came up with like some crazy new way to play the list, then, you know, you're just going to be at, uh, you will have not enough, it's not worth the trade off for sure, you know? Um, but I think there definitely have been moments where you're just playing a crazy, consistent, powerful deck, definitely is good, but you've got to be, you yeah. know, the group of players or the player doing it, and you have that advantage against everyone else in the mirror match um, and other people just not understanding how powerful the deck actually is yet. But Yeah, I mean, I was enough. definitely more a fan of it pre, like, the catcher becoming the meta, but after yeah. indie regionals, catchers just, uh, I mean, and I, I think the catchers are great, but it just adds another level of variance to the deck, and you're going to win or lose games on a Cramomatic flip. You're, now you're adding you're going to win or lose games <laughs> on a Catcher flip. Uh, just put it away, man. <laughs> just put it away, man. I'm not talking to you there. I'm talking to anyone who's listening to this that is considering Mew this weekend. Let's put it away. Yeah. Let's play a good deck. Not a Mew deck, a good deck. Okay, <laughs> moving on to everyone's favorite segment guess that flavor text where one of us will read the other person a bit of flavor text from a pokemon card and that other person has to guess what pokemon that card is talking about you also of course get to play along with us at home and starting a couple weeks ago we did introduce the lifelines where there's three different options three different lifelines you can use one being what set is the card from, the other being what stage the card is, and the third and final one being read and attack name. Now I need to pull up our document here to keep track of the score, but I do believe we are uh, still tied at one to one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, has not been uh, going great for 
Either of us the last few weeks. I finally got on the board a couple of weeks ago, but now it is your turn, Azul, to guess that flavor text. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, so I actually have a card right here in front of me. I uh, was not totally prepared whenever we started. Uh, we hopped on the call to record this week, so I had to just pick what was here available to me, and here we go. While it's unexpectedly quiet and friendly, if it's not fed any trash for a while, it will smash its trainer's furnishings and eat up the fragments. <laughs> well, I have to if it's not fed any trash, I have to assume this is... Not, okay, so... I mean, initially, obviously, I'm thinking of Trubbish. But there's no way that this is actually a Trubbish. Um... So it, it likes to eat trash, and then it will smash up. I mean, it just gets angry when it doesn't get You want trash. me to read it again one more time? Yeah, go ahead. Read it one more time. While it's unexpectedly quiet. Are oh, you cut out there. You turn off your mic. <clears throat> bad. Yeah, my bad, my bad. I accidentally <laughs> tapped the mute button on my mic. <laughs> okay. While it's unexpectedly quiet and friendly... If it's not fed any trash for a while, it will smash its trainer's furnishings and eat up the fragments. Oh, my gosh. I have no clue. So we're going to have to bring in a lifeline here because um, I can't think of anything. For some reason, Snubble is standing out to me, but I don't know why I'm thinking of Angry Little Puppy. Snubble specifically, but for some reason, I'm thinking of Snubble. So it's definitely not, I think it's definitely like a basic Pokemon or or maybe a stage one. But this, this it like, I feel like it's like, I don't know. All right, we're, so we're going to go with, uh, what's, uh, read an attack name from the card. Crunch. So you have the option to continue to use lifelines or if you feel confident... You can lock it in, and if you get it right at this point, you get three points, which would put you so far ahead. Okay, I don't know if this is correct, but now all of a sudden I think it's Rockruff, so I'm just going to go ahead and guess Rockruff. Locking it in? Locking in Rockruff. You are incorrect. It is not Rockruff. Oh, my God. For anyone else a... playing along at home, I'll just give the <laughs> other two lifelines so you can get a chance to guess if you are still thinking. This card is from Sun and Moon Base Set. And this card is also a stage one Pokemon. And this card is Alolan Muck. What? Alolan Muck. I mean, look at his teeth here, bro. He, that That is, I guess, remnants of his trainer's furnishings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have never guessed Alolan Muck. I guess that does make it does definitely doesn't make more sense now that I think about it, but I didn't think it would have been an evolution Pokemon for some reason. I thought it was I was stuck on it being like Well, that's just Pokemon. your fault for not using one of your lifelines. <laughs> <laughs> well that was get this as week. many points as possible. I mean, hey, I respect the the gamble, but it uh <laughs> it did not pay off. We are still tied at one to one. This is episode number eleven. So that means that we have only gotten two out of 11 guess that flavor <laughs> texts, right? Uh, we are fake Pokemon fans. Okay, moving on to the back end of the episode here for the last little bit. Let's talk about 
the newest Pokemon set, Astral Radiance, which is available now to play on both PTCGO and also PTCG Live. If anyone out there is actually still playing PTCG Live, you can go. I mean, that's the easiest way to get the cards yeah. <laughs> is on PTCG Live. Uh, I definitely. Def oh, I was going to say, I definitely felt that when I had to get cards uh, on PTCGO for this set. I was like, Mike, I wish I had crafting. I have like 350 dust or credit, whatever, on PTCG Live that I could have been making Palkias and Samurats and stuff with. But instead, I'm on PTCGO opening packs and trading for cards, which feels so much more miserable than just being able to you know craft your cards it's just such a time sink and like yeah it's just it's rough it's rough i i the crafting system you i really felt the difference with this set um so i'm excited to hopefully have live you know right the ship and maybe we can head back over there eventually yeah maybe it'll come out someday in like 2023 24 maybe who knows <laughs> uh so not only is Vancouver and Bremen Regionals this weekend, but there's also a pretty big tournament happening in Ohio, which I'll be heading up to to cast alongside our buddy Andrew Mahone up in full grip games. It is a 6K doubleheader tournament weekend, which will allow Astral Radiance to be legal. Now, normally a uh, new set is not legal for the first two weeks of release, but full grip games has done these tournaments the last few set releases because uh, it's pretty hype. It's 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 pretty exciting release weekend. They allow Japanese cards to be used, which have obviously come out a little bit earlier and are usually a lot cheaper. So it makes for a pretty fun tournament weekend. Saturday will be a standard tournament whose prize pool is $3,500. And then GLC will be played on Sunday, which prize pool is $2,500. So it's a massive tournament weekend. I think there's going to be a Huge amount of players at it. Uh, those tournaments are a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to casting it. I'm looking forward to seeing what cards from the new set start to show up and really do very well. There's obviously a bunch that a, uh, a lot of people have been talking about a lot. The Hisuian Samurott, the Hisui, or the Origin Form Palkia V-Star. These cards have been pretty widely discussed and talked about. I know you played... A decent amount of Pokemon today on PTCGO when the set dropped. What were some of the decks you played today? How did, how did the new set feel as well? So I played, I didn't play too much today. I didn't have a whole ton of time to play too much. I streamed for like six hours. Um, Turbo Dark felt okay. Um, and it feels like you really want to. With want the Dark invest... V Star, I assume, right? Yeah, with, yeah, Dark Ride V Star, Turbo Dark. Um, but it feels like you really want to heavily invest in. I mean, when you go first, you can get the first knockout. But when you go second, I think you equally want to invest the listen to trying to get that first knockout whether it be with the hoopa uh the little baby hoopa for 90 on like a sobble or attacking turn with maltrace v and it's something i didn't think about until my my chat brought it up to me which is like with a choice belt you ko pretty much any v in the format with maltrace turn one so um going second so i it, my list currently is built pretty heavily around doing that and that's felt pretty good so far um you know just get the first knockout and then kind of snowball your lead from there and the Samurott was pretty underwhelming. And I tried some of the Reggie's deck out. And that's like really, really cool. It's just not very good, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not very good. And obviously, it's not built to be very good at all. But it's very, very cool at the very least. And that's kind of all. That's all I've kind of gotten done so far. Still a lot to try out with Dialga and Palkia. Um, it's really hard to get Palkias. They're super expensive right now, of course. It's the most hyped card and the expected to be the best card. And I think the more I've kind of thought about the card and stuff the amount of stuff you can do with it like i think it definitely will be the probably the, the the card of the of the set for sure maybe of the next format as well 
So we're both going to be doing plenty of content around the new set. Of course, Azul will be posting videos and streaming. I don't know how many videos I'll be doing and probably not streaming. Who knows? I might get a little spark of inspiration and stream for a few hours one night or something like that. But most of my content will be on the Channel Fireball YouTube channel. And also, I am doing Channel Fireball's set review. So I'm excited for that. It's going to be finished this week. I just finished part one earlier today. And the rest of the set review will be coming out throughout the week this week. Um, and yeah, this is a super solid set. I don't think it is quite as good of a set as Brilliant Stars would, but there's a lot of cool cards. Um, and, you know, people have talked about the big ones at this point, the Dialgas and Palkias, the um, Radiant Pokemon, the Greninja, Halucha, and Heatran are all decent. Obviously, the Greninja being the best of the bunch, I think that is pretty much undisputable from anyone. Uh, but there's a few more kind of unique cards, maybe cards a little bit under the radar that Azul and I are both excited for that we picked out to talk about. So Azul, you, you've picked out a couple of cards here. Why don't you pick one of them and talk about it? And then I'll talk about uh, one of my two. Yeah, sure. I, mean, I think the last thing I'll mention is like yeah. with everything I've played so far from the new set, the only the thing I keep thinking of is, uh, and you mentioned Brilliant Stars being uh, a higher impact set and the only real thing that came out of brilliant stars or the biggest thing is arceus and every time i play a new deck i'm thinking this just isn't arceus <laughs> like i wish this like this would be better as arceus so far from from kind of everything i played in terms of options and consistency and stuff like that it just but even, like especially when i played the samurai deck you know i was playing inteleon it's like arceus would have been pretty good here just as good and maybe even just better in all these situations just to have arceus instead so but uh, yeah there are some very cool cards i think this is the way there's way more cool cards to kind of look at and make you think about, uh, you know, options and just kind of ways you can play cards than there was in Brilliant Stars, that's for sure. Um, and the biggest one that I uh, want to be trying out and I haven't gone to yet is Togekiss. Um, it, it's not just the Togekiss, which is the coolest part about it, I think. The Togepi and the Togetic. Uh, so the Togepi, when it comes into play, has the ability where it heals your active Pokemon for 10. The Togetic heals your active Pokemon for 30. And then the Togekiss the heals your active Pokemon for 90. Um and then not only can you, you know, evolve all the way up to your Togekiss and heal it, and you could have multiple Togekiss being evolved up and healing your active Pokemon, but then you can scoop up net and kind of reset your Togekisses and your Togepees and your Togetics and start the healing process healing process through those abilities all over again. Um, so I think there's definitely potential for some kind of, like, big tanky Pokemon. You just throw it in your active, and you just constantly heal it with Togekisses and scoop up nets throughout the whole game. Um, and the one I'm looking at to definitely combo it with initially is the Heatran, um it's got 330 hp the ability says as long as you have a stadium in play uh you heal it for 50 damage uh and then it attacks for fire fire colorless to do 180 damage and then your opponent's active is now burned so that's the one i'm looking to combo with it of course that one is weak to water might be a little bit tough with Palkia running around so maybe you have to go to something else like a stone journer or something i don't know and so journer could be cool cool as well because it has that built-in healing through its first attack but i think some kind of you could definitely throw something together where you just like set that pokemon up and you start healing it with Togekiss, and you just kind of do that uh, over and over and over again with uh, Scoop of Ness and kind of repeat that. And that could be really, really cool. So I'm yeah, you could even do like a basic Pokemon like Blissey with Cape of Toughness. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, that thing's got 300 hit points, right? Yeah. And uh, it absorbs energies onto itself, and then you could even heal them with Hyper Potions or something like that. Like, that's a lot of healing, potentially, every single turn. Togekiss definitely seems really cool. Uh, the first card I picked to talk about is the new Trekking Shield. So I am a big fan 
of turbo item cards like an expanded one of my favorite cards that i always try to put in decks if it makes sense is trainer's mail just because it lets me you know get through the deck so much quicker it's thinning it's you know consistency all of these things um trekking shoes i think a lot of people are comparing to acrobike and it's obviously similar but it's pretty different as well uh, because you just have more choices. You can keep a card from the top. It's just a plus one to hand or, you know, discard a card, which interacts so well with a lot of different decks. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably going to be trying to put this in more decks than it should go in, but I'm just <laughs> overall a, a big fan of turbo items like this. I've always enjoyed cards like the Trekking Shoes, so I'm, I'm ready to, to lace up and uh, get out there and start running through the deck. <laughs> The checking checking shoes are pretty sick for sure. I have those in my Turbo Dark build right now, so and they've been pretty good so far. They definitely seem like it's a card that will be in some. If it's not in a, a tier one deck at this point, I definitely you know a set or two down the line, it'll make its way at some point. And then your um, next card, this is another one that I think is really cool. Yeah, so this is actually like a, an effect we've never seen on a supporter or any card in general. And my card, my next card I want to talk about is is Grant which is a supporter card, which says when you play it, your fighting Pokemon do 30 more damage, uh, but it has like an added effect that is not it, not part of playing the supporter card, but if it's in your discard pile, you can discard two cards from hand, uh, and then it goes to your hand. So it's kind of like a built-in, basically via Seeker, I think is the best thing to compare it to. Via Seeker, you played it as an item card, it got a supporter card out of your discard pile to your hand, whereas Grant, you can take that specific supporter from your discard pile and put it in your hand if you discard two cards from your hand. So I think that's just really, really cool. I think you can play it in Mew. I think you can play it in, I don't know, any deck that just wants to constantly discard cards from your hand. I could see it being played in maybe something like Darkrai, possibly, because it's like a constant way to also thin out your hand. You can play it in decks with B-Barrel as well, potentially. Um, so it doesn't really, like, it's not... It's not a thin two from hand because it goes to your hand as well. So it's really just like a thin one. But in a lot of situations where you're constantly trying to thin out your hand, specifically with like Mew, that could be pretty valuable to constantly have. Um, so I just think the the effect of it's really, really cool. And then ideally, it does get played in a fighting deck because fighting decks haven't been good for a while. So hopefully this brings some life to fighting decks as well. Um, but besides that, just the effect on it, I think for other decks outside of fighting decks could be could be really interesting. Yeah, I think the uh, the Machamp VMAX is like slightly better than I initially gave it credit for. I don't think it's great, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure you Good don't enough. either. But uh, I mean, this isn't the card I, I was meant to talk about here, but. I think that, uh, you know, I mean, it can do a good amount of damage. It obviously combos with the Gate Ball Jog Stadium, which uh, is something to mention. And it can make good use of the Grant. So it's just like one card. Once you play it, you can get it back anytime you want it to boost damage. So, uh, and, you know, uh, there's obviously other combos. You know, the Urshifu decks could utilize it to do more damage. You, know, uh, you could literally one-shot anything with G-Max One Blow on single-strike Urshifu now if you wanted to, if you weren't yeah. getting there already. Um, but, yeah, my <laughs> the other card that I was meant to talk about was mill tank from astral radiance which has an ability very similar to a couple of other pokemon in the format right now the miracle body ability prevents all damage done to this pokemon by attacks from your opponent's pokemon v and of course whenever a card refers to pokemon v that includes v maxes v stars v unions pokemon basic v's whatever prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks from your opponent's Pokemon V. 
And it's actually got a pretty decent attack as well for two colorless route. It deals 10 damage and then 20 more damage for each of your opponent's benched Pokemon. So it's not like a great attack, but it's not an irrelevant attack. Like it can reasonably, you know, hit for some damage. And there's a couple Pokemon in the format that have similar type abilities right now. Obviously, Altaria from Champion's Path. We've got Decidueye from Darkness Ablaze, which is probably the better of the two as far as what has seen more play over the last couple of years. But neither of these decks have seen really any play at all since Mew VMAX came out because it has the Max Miracle attack where it just like hits through the effects of these abilities. But I think that this ability being on a basic it, it kind of keeps the format honest you know the fact that this card yeah. just exists it forces you to kind of consider it when you're building your deck it's like okay i'm gonna be sure that i'm uh putting a water energy in my arceus uh you know intellian dark deck so that i can use aqua bullet in order to hit something like miltank or um you know for example something like whimsicott right now that the way whimsicott decks are built right now would be totally walled by Miltank. You can get in there with Beaverell, but that's <laughs> not very good, right? You got to flip a coin, and if you flip tails, you're doing nothing. So I think the Miltank is pretty cool. I'm excited for a card like this to be around because, like I said, it just keeps the format honest. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, uh, it's, it, just, it feels like it's going to be like that the whole Decidueye cycle potentially with the Miltank from here on out. You know, it'd be like Decidueye wins a tournament, and then I guess we didn't really have that with Decidueye in real life tournaments because. I mean, there was no real-life tournaments. It was kind of just in online tournaments. But Decidueye would win a tournament, and then it would go on cooldown for, like, three weeks. People would have their Aegis Lashes and their ADP decks, and then yeah. they would get taken out three weeks uh, three weeks from there. And then it would be the time for Decidueye to win another tournament and kind of repeat. And we could definitely see that with Miltank, I think, as well. Like, you don't want to be playing all these extra tech cards, especially if, like, one basic water in some Arceus builds isn't enough. Or like having to play a Raihan in builds that already play the basic water but don't want to play Raihan, which is something we saw, actually, this weekend. Is there was no Raihans in any of the um, top-performing Inteleon Arceus decks, which I thought was really surprising. Uh, and I wasn't really a big fan of initially, but I kind of understand the value of the double Melanie, and you don't want to have like too many cards that kind of do the same thing. You can still get to an Aqua Bullet. You kind of just have to attach twice to it. Um, so you have to work a little bit harder for it. But yeah, I mean, uh, if the Miltanks can get through a couple of their attackers or something like that, then you're going to have to tech that much harder for it. And no one wants to be playing like two or three Aqua Bullet Inteleon in their Arceus decks if they don't have to, when they only want to be playing one uh, or maybe two. So... Yeah, it might be one of the, yeah one of those cards that keeps the format honest, um, or it could just be really really good and then uh, can get through most of the answers. So that's gonna do it for our Astral Radiance preview. Obviously, we didn't talk about too many of the cards, but we'll talk about it much more in depth next week after both of us have had more time to play with the new cards. You know, I'm finishing my set review this week, so I'll have looked at every single card in the set, super super in depth. I've already been doing a decent amount of like theorying and. Uh, all of that of the big cards and stuff like that but it's a lot different once you actually get your hands on ptcgo and like yeah. start playing a bunch of games and then also we'll be discussing next week the results from the full grip tournament at least briefly we'll talk about at least the winning decks uh because that'll be kind of the first big pinpoint that people will look at when building decks for uh, for the new format. So that's going to close it out for us this week, though. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you are 
watching on YouTube, please be sure to leave a like on this video and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you never miss a video. We're really close to 2,000 subscribers, actually. I think we're, we're less than 100 subs away from 2K, so that'd be pretty cool. And then also, if you are listening on whatever podcasting platform, please be sure to leave us a rating. It only takes a second, and it is the easiest way to show your support because it can help more people discover our podcast and discover love of the Pokemon TCG. <laughs> Yep, be sure to do all that. Appreciate everyone watching. We'll be back here every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Eastern. Good luck to anyone who's playing in Vancouver or Bremen Regionals this weekend and anyone who's going out to the full grip tournament. And those have been getting really big. There was like 150 players last time. These could get, you know, maybe we make... I mean, the prize pool to... is way bigger for this one. The last one was a 3K oh, yeah. for both tournaments, and it's yep. double that this time, so... Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what they're going to do. I don't know that they have the capacity for 200 people, but they're going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, if they if they keep growing, they're definitely going to keep trying to find the space to fit, yeah. uh, fit more and more players. I'm pretty sure they want to grow them as big as they possibly can. Yeah, just looking sick. forward to it. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. Myself on Twitter at Trainer Chip, Azul on Twitter at Azul underscore GG, and then also follow the podcast over on Twitter at Uncommon underscore Energy. Check us both out on YouTube and Twitch, also the podcast channel here on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week, Tuesday, regular scheduled time, 7 a.m. Eastern. Thank you all so much for listening. That's going to do it for us. We'll get out of here. Peace.